command for husbands, simple and clear. Love your wives as Christ loved the church, as we'll see next on Truth For Today. Loving our wives as Christ loved the church. It's not complicated, but it's not easy either, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit especially. Hi there and welcome. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Today we're back in Ephesians, focusing on the role and responsibility of husbands and how they are to minister to their wives. Please join us as we continue our series on the family with today's broadcast of Truth For Today Now, our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. Turn, if you will, to Ephesians. You'll wish we get back to it once we deal with this subject. <laughs> we took a break for our wonderful missions conference, and uh, I kept kidding my brother, David, because he was getting ready to go on a three-week break, and he thought I was going to stay right along and deal with the husband. He said, well, I'll be out of town and I kept kidding him, no, we've saved the best for him. But it's for all of us, and it's a good subject to be out of town about if you don't want to hear and do the Word of God. But let's hear what he says in Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, kiss your wife. Yeah, make love to her. No, get, just automatically drop that. Didn't even use that word. He had a Greek word called eros, if he meant physical love. But it's a word that goes this way. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And he never had sex with the church. So you're not talking about a physical relationship. This is deeper. This is the soul, spiritual. And gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, and I believe it includes what was said, then husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. There's no place in the Bible he teaches self-love. It's always assumed. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Uh, let us just review a little bit of what we said before we dealt with our sisters in the role of the submissive wife. That uh, the male-female hostility is not a part of God's original creation. But when man and woman rebelled against God, it not only separated them from God, but it brought hostility between the male-female relationship. And it's kind of we're stuck with each other out of necessary evil. We've got to keep the race going. 
But there's an inbred hostility, according to Genesis 3, uh, that the woman's desire is to dominate, and the man responds with harsh treatment of her, and history alone will verify that statement that it has happened. In the, the contemporary view of women in 55 AD, in the time of Christ, if you could just read William Barclay sometimes on Ephesians 5, he describes how that women were looked down upon, uh, were good to be seen, not heard, uh, that in the Roman Gentile world, it was assumed every man had a mistress. He had a concubine for sex for any moment he wanted, the mistress for pleasure, the wife to keep from having illegitimate children. So it was assumed three women were in his life. And it gives the background of the harsh treatment of women. And so all of a sudden, when we come to the divine order, the new order in Christ, the new man, the new relationships that come about because we're saved, he is telling us, and there's some assumptions, that when we talk to men today, the assumptions of the text is that you are a Christian. If you're not a Christian, uh, it, it doesn't apply to you. If you would try to do it, it might help you, but it's directed towards Christian men. Two, it's directed towards men that he's already said to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. He's assuming the power of God is at work in you. You could not pull off this order or this attitude without divine help and divine power any more than the woman could submit to an imperfect man without supernatural enablement by the Spirit. So the apostle is assuming you're in Christ, you are a Christian, you are obeying the command in the context to be under the control of the Spirit, and then he's going to tell you how the Spirit influences the home, how it influences the parent-child relationship, how it even influences the master-slave relationship, especially in the first century. And at the end of the book, he tells you the enemy to all of these relationships, and that is we have an adversary that's opposed to everything God is telling us to do. And so we must beware of that. Uh, and that we assume that you accept the authority of God's word as what you do in this relationship, that you're not left without a guide. Uh, there's alternatives in our culture that Satan teaches, and that is you are a man whose needs are number one in marriage. I'm the man of the house, the king of the throne. And if you listen to Freud and others, us men are primarily sexually driven, and that is the highest principle, instead of being governed by greater principles than our sex drive and our selfish interest. A uh, common theme Satan has helped us men do is use and abuse women. Make no lasting commitment to anyone, including children. And know that Satan is in direct opposition to the divine master plan to show off God's wonderful love by means of a happy marriage union. That's part of the mystery here. God has given us the marriage compact in order to show off how deeply God feels about his people so that he even calls Israel his wife and calls the church his bride. And you wonder how deep the affection can be. He's given us marriage to show you how deep an affection 
God has for us. Uh, let's look at the word love here. We need to get a handle on that. Uh, husbands, love your wives. And a lot of guys say, well, I do. As long as it's my definition. Or we can be totally naive. I love the, uh, the humorous story about the man that takes his wife in for counseling. And while they're counseling, they're, they're very hostile toward one another. And all of a sudden, the counselor goes over and kisses the wife. She lights up. She's calmed down. She's euphoric. And this big bruiser husband tells the counselor, step outside. I want to talk to you. They step outside. He said, what did you do to my wife? He said, you saw? I gave her a passionate kiss. It controlled her and calmed her. This is something that needs to be done at least three times a week. And the man says, I could only bring her in twice a week. <laughs> See, you're totally clueless of what you ought to do. Thank you. Some a slow, delayed response. I already love her. I bring home the bacon, and I always say, what would you eat if you weren't married? You still have to work. Don't blame her that you have to work. Uh, I'd want to eat just as good if I wasn't married. It's a commanded love. In the Greek, it's a present imperative, which is radical. This has nothing to do with feelings and emotions. It has something to do with volitional obedience. God's commanded us to love our enemies. And often Pastor Rich and I tell couples that are fussing, I don't love her anymore. Well, just treat her like your enemy. You've been commanded to love your enemy. See, it has nothing to do with all the romantic feelings and the emotional roller coaster of love. It's a command. Obey it. And it just results in positive action towards this one. It is a love that is sacrificial. Lover, just like Christ, loved the church and gave up himself for the church. And it goes to the cross. And so it points to an attitude the husband should have. None of us have ever died for our wife. But there's the template. There's the model. When you're grousing about emptying the trash for her, thank Christ went to the cross. So you've got this maximum superlative model of what his love would do for his church. And he says, have a sacrificial kind of love. That's what I have in mind for you. Have that that she is worth sacrificing for in your mind. She is worth the effort. And so love her as Christ has loved the church. It's a beneficial kind of love. It benefits the one loved. It's not a getting love. It's a giving love. As Christ, uh, it cost him something to love this church, of which you and I are the object of his love. Uh, he found us in our sinful condition. He beautified us. He washed us. He cleansed us. Husbands, treat her that way. Do not let her faults be the excuse for your non-love. For the greatest problems in us brought out the greatest love in him. When we were without Christ, ungodly, and in sin is when God demonstrated his love for us. He did the most for me while I hated him. 
While I was a sinner in active opposition, Christ died for me. Not when I was preaching, not when I was giving offerings, but when I was fleeing and resisting him in the mind of God, Christ died for me as a sinner. Men, let's love our wives not because they pass probation with us and they jump through all the hoops at her weakest point, at her worst point. This love can overcome the weakness and will not use her weakness as an excuse to walk. I would love you if you were a prettier object to love. No, this can never fit this description, not with Christ. Love her when she's at her weakest, and your love might be the source of her becoming beautiful. Your love could transform a failing, weak, vulnerable woman. It's a love produced by the Holy Spirit. That's why Playboy is running no articles on this kind of love. Read all the men's magazines you want. You won't ever find this love described. They don't know an ounce about it. Their love says, honey, you're getting a little fat, aren't you? Their love says, you don't have the bus line the latest bunny has. No, and I would, I'm not going to be living with you much longer if you don't perform better. It's foreign. This is a foreign kind of love. God demonstrated it, and he brought it right over to the Christian church. Men this is the attitude I want you to have towards your wife. It's a radical model. It's never been revealed anywhere in Scripture. Only God has pulled it off. And he says, now, men, you may never achieve all of it, but this is the direction of our love. This is the pattern of where we ought to be going when we say we are loving a woman as a Christian man, as a spirit-filled man. You women think you've got a tough model. Us men feel the same way. To actually be measured, for you to say, and you know what, I hear more than not, you might correct me here if I overstate this, the, the joke, and what I hear a lot more is, woman, you better submit. I seldom hear it being said as a cliche, and you better love me like Christ. That would temper everything. If we just balanced out that, because I wouldn't have time to worry about my wife's submission if you just hit me with that. And are you loving me like Christ? Because that is the not the natural bent of any of us men. Only the Spirit of God can produce that in us. Only the Spirit of God. Well, uh, how can we show our love to the wife so that it's like Christ? And I've taken passages from the New Testament uh, to put together a little model. Let me read to you some things before we start this journey that uh, male problems that we need to overcome. Uh, there's a book been written called Passive Men, Wild Women. And uh, it describes the passive male as inactive, yielding, taking no part, submissive, acted upon without acting in return. And the wild woman is he's angry, vexed, and out of control, because she's living with a passive, non-directive, non-proactive man. Just come see, come saw. Uh, uh, I may pay attention to finances, I may not. I may pay attention to the yard, I may not. I may pay, no, you had the kids, you raised them, honey. What do you mean? I see so few men involved in the training of their children. They've just taken a walk. They get the mama pregnant and they take a walk. 
They don't take any time to train, correct, nurture many men. They're passive. Just bring me a Bud Light in the paper and give me the clicker. And that's their home duty because the women are going wild that they live with such passivity. Another great problem, uh, as I've been reading some of the literature uh, faced in homes, is the non-communicative husband. Uh, Michael McGill said, in a study of 737 men, 646 women, they made this observation. Most wives live with and love men who are in some very fundamental ways strangers to them. Men who withhold themselves and, induce, and in doing so withhold their loving. These wives may be loved, but they do not feel loved because they do not know their husbands because he has maybe refused to share himself deeply. Uh, every man ought to buy a copy. It's an old book, but it's sure insightful. Uh, James Dobson's book, What Every Husband, What Every Wife Wishes Her Husband Understood About Women or Knew About Women. And he lists the great female characteristic struggles, depression, low self-esteem, fatigue and time pressure, loneliness, isolation, and boredom, absence of romantic love, financial difficulties, physical problems connected with being female, and problems with children of which her husband may be in touch with or totally aloof. It's a great, great book just to educate the beast in us men to know she's made a lot different than us. Show her, number one, a sacrificial love and concern. And I just put down the characteristics of love in 1 Corinthians 13. Kind, uh, protects, hopes, perseveres, on and on. Show that kind of love. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's described what this love acts like when it's lived out, when it's put into action. Maybe patience and kindness are the two overruling terms that govern all the other terms. It's patient. I can hold out a long time with you, and I'm characteristically kind towards you. That would probably be enough to suffice any woman. If I just knew my husband was patient with me, and if I knew he was kind with me. I thought it was interesting thinking about patience. How long can you endure something? I talked to Phil Ross this last week. And by the way, anyone, we got to give him this tape. He said he wanted this tape. And um, I said, how are you and Luella? What can Luella do? Well, Luella's fairly homebound. They're in their 80s. Those of you that don't know the Rosses, uh, they've been in this church over 30 years. They spent most of those 30 years in our children's department. Awana nights. Uh, Sunday school. He was a Sunday school superintendent and oversaw uh, Eagles Hall and set it up, broke it down, took care of it. He was a deacon with us in the early days. Uh, uh, a faithful couple, no one's ever been more faithful than them. When the doors were open, they were here. Uh, you, you just, 
uh, only health or vacation would keep them away. And so uh, this is an incredible time in their life when uh, physical ailments keep them away. And as I talked to him on the phone, I said, how is she doing? Well, I, I help my wife in the morning get up. I, I get her breakfast. I get lunch. She needs to have a nap in the afternoon. I'm there, take care of that. Goes, I, I'm her care. I'm, I'm the live-in nurse. So I said, that makes you fairly homebound. He said, no question. But then he responded with these words. But I told her 62 years ago that if you'll marry me, I'll take care of you. And I shall do that without regret, without bitterness, without remorse. It is the privilege of my life to be faithful to her until death do us part. 62 years with the same woman and count it a joy to be able to be there at her weakest, most vulnerable point in life. Love is patient. Show her a love that makes her special and unique. And I take the word holy as he set the church apart as being holy, unique. That the way we treat our wife is we must set her apart in our treatment, in our eyes, that we have eyes only for her. We may have Lots of women in our lives insofar as contact, sisters in the church, daughters, grandchildren, mothers, sisters. But in all of our affections, she is in a unique place in our heart and mind. And she knows that because she's treated that way. Treated as holy, set apart, special, special object of divine love when Christ takes care of the church. And now this woman becomes the special object of your affections and your attitude. Uh, in essence, you're in the business of making her as beautiful as you know how. You cannot keep her body from aging, but you can be an aid in making a beautiful inward spirit. That inward spirit of gentleness and a quiet spirit that is beautiful in the sight of God, which Sarah had when she was with Abraham. We don't want to do anything to make her bitter, make her lose hope, make her frustrated. We're in the business of beautifying the object of our love because she feels we have a special interest in her well-being. And that is divine love in operation in a marriage. She's not just one of the household hands. She's not equal to the kids. She's not equal to your mother and your father. You should have already left them. She must not have to compete with anyone for your affection because she's treated in a special, unique, privileged spot in your heart. And she feels that. No rivals, no third party. The woman on the job won't leave you alone, ask for a transfer. Always let your kids know if you need to, she comes first. Studying God's Word that we might grow in grace, that we might be encouraged in our walk and relationship with Him. You're listening to Truth For Today and Pastor Phil Howard. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us this morning. It's our prayer that our time together has done just that, encouraged you in your relationship with Christ, bolstered you up for the day. 
If you would like to review today's broadcast, copies are available when you contact us. We also have the series today's message was taken from, other resource materials available as well, the recent books authored by our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. They can all be found at our website, valleybible.org. A lot of resource materials available there, other CDs and series as taught by Pastor Phil Howard recently here at Valley Bible Church. Again, they're all found at our store online, valleybible.org. If you wish to speak with someone directly, call during business hours, Monday through Friday, 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or write to us, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you'd like to know where we meet for worship, service times, directions, location, it can all be found at our website, valleybible.org, and we would love to see you. Please consider this a formal invitation to join us for worship if you're not involved in a church near you. Again, directions can be found at valleybible.org or by calling 855 855- 833-9864. And again, we mention it from time to time, it bears repeating, as TFT sustainers, financial partners with the radio broadcast, you ensure the continuation of this broadcast here on KFAX. Would you prayerfully consider how you might partner with us financially? And then call us. Let us know that you're interested in becoming a TFT sustainer. We'll pass along our quarterly newsletter to you, a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil. The weekly video devotional will be available as well. Again, valleybible.org for more information or call 855-833-9864. No gift is too large or too small. We'd love to hear from you. Call us today and then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Pastor Phil Howard.